You are listening to The Manning Show with you and Manning. Your number one sports podcast starts now. Welcome back, everyone, to The Manning Show. Uh, we're excited to bring on our first guest today. Uh, he's the Oilers Nation everyday host, daily face-off host. He's a Bills, Oilers, and Blue Jays fan. He worked at TSN 1260 and now works at the Nation Network and for Oilers Nation. We're excited to have you. Thanks for uh, coming on the pod, Tyler. Yeah, excited to be with you, buddy. So, uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Bills, the Oilers, the Blue Jays? Oh. Well, I, as you listed off the teams that uh, that I cheer for right now and the one that I cover, obviously, in the Oilers, um, a lot of heartbreak in my life over the last six to eight months with the Jays and with the Bills. So maybe let's start with the happy stuff. Let's start with the Oilers. Okay, so my first question for you, there was a lot of people asking about this. I asked some people to send in some questions. What are your first thoughts on the Corey Perry signing? I love it. I think it's a slam dunk fit for the Edmonton Oilers. When you look at an area they needed to improve, it was bottom six scoring and, and maybe replacing a bit of the toughness and pest ability, I like to call it, that they lost with Clem Costin over the summer. Corey Perry does both those things, and you didn't have to trade away anything to get him. And on top of that, he's going to be a league minimum contract. So he slides right in for Adam Ernie, and there's none of the salary cap issues that you would have had if you were going to go trade for a guy making a couple million bucks. So I think he'll give them exactly what they need down the stretch, and it was free. So you can't complain about something if it's free. Uh, when do you expect him to see in the lineup? I, I listened to the show yesterday and, uh, you said Chicago, you think he's going to be back for Chicago? Yeah, that was kind of my initial thought, but it sounds like after listening to Ken Holland speak that it's going to be Saturday against the Nashville Predators will be the game they get him in, which kind of makes sense. I mean, the team's on a big winning streak, obviously Perry with the, with the history of the termination in Chicago, probably best to just avoid that storyline altogether and push it until Saturday. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, what has changed from the start of the season when the Oilers obviously were not playing well at all to now? What because some people were saying like coaching change affected, and I don't think that at all. But what do you think? Yeah, like I, I mean, there's been positives about the coaching change. I like the way Chris Knobloch handles McDavid and Drysaitel now, and how you know he never puts them back together for extended periods of time, but uses it as like a quick strike ability to really throw off the other team's matchups. So I do like that. I do think the penalty kills much better under Mark Stewart. I think the defense has been better under Paul Coffey. But I mean, let's be honest: the Oilers under Jay Woodcroft were expected to be a contender, and I think they would have been a contender at some point with him. So. I, I think the biggest differences from the first month of the season to we'll say the last six to eight weeks here with the 21 and three run that they've been on it's goaltending and it's to an extent getting some bounces. Like, I mean, that game against Detroit very easily could have ended the winning streak, but uh, the Red Wings hit two crossbars late in that hockey game. The Oilers go in, win it in overtime. And I mean, Stuart Skinner has been at a nine thirty something save percentage over this 15 game stretch beginning of the year. He was at an eight eighty save percentage over his first 17 games. Like, that makes a massive difference. They weren't getting blown out that much earlier in the year. They just needed a couple more saves in every game. And now they're getting a couple more saves. So it sounds almost too simple. And there are other factors contributing to it. But right at the top of the list for me, it's, it's Stuart Skinner's play. Like they're getting elite goaltending. And earlier this season, they were 31st in the league in save percentage. Goaltending is a massive, massive reason why they're winning hockey games. 
Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. Stuart Skinner, do you think uh, the way he's playing right now is sustainable? Uh, no, because I, I mean, if he, if he's going to have a 940 save percentage from now until the end of the year, I mean, he's going to be a Vesna guy. He's going to have one of the best seasons of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. But do I think Stuart Skinner is the goalie we saw earlier in the season? Also, no, like the truth, like most things, the truth lands somewhere in the middle of this whole thing. Right. So do I think Stuart Skinner can consistently give the Oilers nine, 10 goaltending from here until the end of the season? Without a doubt in my mind. I think he's proving right now that he's capable of being a legitimate number one in today's NHL. So I don't think he's sliding all the way back to what he was at the beginning of the year. But also, at some point, he's going to have a bad couple of games. And I think the important thing for, it will be for the fan base to not freak out when those two bad games eventually come. Do you think that the way he's playing right now is... is I mean, obviously, it's changing the way that they're going to look at bringing in a backup or even a goalie. Do you think that the Oilers are going to bring in a goalie before the deadline? I've changed my mind on that a little bit. If you had asked me back towards the end of November, I, I would have said, yeah, like there, it's no doubt you need to go get a goalie at some point. But now I'm kind of looking at it and going, okay, Calvin Pickard's played seven games for you. He's given you a 903 save percentage. He hasn't really had a bad game in that stretch. So, and also Stuart Skinner playing the way he has, like he's going to be your guy come playoff time. So what's the smarter play here? Is it, go get an insurance piece that's maybe a small upgrade on Calvin Pickard. You, know, you could do that. I, I see the logic there. But I also kind of flip to the other side and go, well, wait, if you're spending a third-round pick on something, why not spend it on something that you're going to use day in, day out in the playoffs? A depth defenseman, a third-line center, something like that. Go make the team in front of Stuart Skinner better because, honestly, you're you're probably going as far as you will in the playoffs or as far as you go. It'll be because of Stuart Skinner. And people will say, well, what if, you know, you'd hate to have a playoff game where you need to start Calvin Pickard. And my argument would be, you know, if you go get James Reimer or whoever's out there or available for a third round pick, like you're going to be pretty upset if you have to start that guy in the playoffs too, right? So uh, that's kind of where I come out on it. I, I, at first, I was like, yes, they need a goalie. Now I'm kind of like, ah, I think you're better off filling some other holes in the roster. I did see a clip the other day. I was listening to the show and you said how it'd be uh, a good idea to use Kulak as a cap dump. So explain kind of your reasoning there. Cause I may disagree with you. So the, the thing is, I think you need to have a second move with it. But when you look at the Oilers, like the only ways to free up cap space, the only contracts they have that I think could be even be viewed as overpayments at all within reason are obviously Campbell, very, very hard to move. Warren Fogle having an awesome season right now, probably don't want to lose his scoring depth. You have Cody Cece, very hard minutes to replace a guy that plays routinely 22 plus minutes a night. Then there's Brett Kulak down on the third pairing. If you need to lose money somewhere, you could swap Kulak for Broberg. And while you're downgrading, maybe it's not that much of a downgrade. And then you could take $2 million in cap savings, use that with some draft picks and maybe go find a top six winger. Maybe then you can upgrade Cody Cece, although that's a lot of roster surgery to do it once. But if you have a deal out there that requires $2 million in extra cap space, moving on from Brett Kulak and getting an asset, I, I can see the logic and how if you were to get a forward in another deal and then also go get another depth defenseman to give you some insurance on Broberg, then it's kind of like, okay, you upgraded somewhere, you saved some money, you got an asset for Kulak, you went and filled that spot for cheaper, and maybe there's a win-win-win, but the idea of trading local boy Brett Kulak also breaks my heart as a fan. Yeah, so I'm going to get some questions here. I would agree with you, I guess, a little bit. But my only question there was would be uh, Broberg. Uh, 
I would have to disagree. Bro, I don't know that he could play up here consistently. I got some questions from people. Uh, if there's one piece that the Oilers could get, what are they looking for? I think with the addition of Corey Perry, the biggest thing will be a scoring winger to add to the top six. I think Ryan McLeod has, has starting to prove that hey, maybe he can play center at the NHL level. And now you're starting to exercise Dylan Holloway as a center as well. So you can kind of go through and say, you got McDavid, Dreisaitl, McLeod, you got Holloway. You could play Derek Ryan there in a pinch if you need to. You have James Hamblin who you can play in a pinch if you need to. And now I'm starting to look at the balance of the lines and go in. Boy, how deep of a team do you have if you can add a piece like a Tyler Toffoli or another legit top six right winger? And now your second line is Kane Dreisaitl Toffoli. Now your third line is Perry Fogel McLeod. That sounds so good. Then your fourth line is Gagne Holloway or Derek Ryan, I should say, Holloway and Connor Brown. And it's like, okay, now you have a fourth line that can score and a third line that can outscore the other team consistently and a second line that's elite and you have the shooter for Dreisaitl. Like, all of it starts to really come together with one more scoring winger. So I know a lot of people want to talk about defense and goaltending, and the Oilers don't have problems scoring goals. No one ever thinks of it like that. But you are that much harder to beat if you start rolling over three lines that can consistently outscore the opposition. A couple other questions here I would agree with you. Uh, Oliver Rodrigue, do you think the Oilers should give Oliver Rodrigue a chance in the NHL? Yeah, so, I mean, they're taking on the Blue Jackets uh, within a couple of hours of us recording this together. And at first, this was the game I had penciled for Rodrigue's debut. I was like, get through January, easy games, you can rest. Stuart Skinner on a few spots, and I said, why not give Rodrigue a look? But then Pickard went and played really good in his three starts since when I was saying that until now. And it's kind of like, ah, you don't need to. Let Rodrigue keep developing down there. There's no reason to bring him up when the team's rolling the way they are. And Pickard's proven you can trust him. I'm good on that front. I think I would keep Rodrigue where he is. Another question here, uh, thoughts on Broberg and what is next for him on the Edmonton Oilers? I think it's one of two things. Either he there's a trade at the deadline that moves out a piece like Kulak and all of a sudden Broberg's back up with the big club or, and I honestly think this is 50-50 between him staying and him going, or there's a team at the deadline that looks at him and says, hey, good quality left shot defensemen are very hard to find and a team thinks Philip Broberg has the ability to grow into that role and they go take a stab on him and he becomes a piece that you use to upgrade the roster at the deadline. There are a lot of teams, Senators, Sabres, a handful of others, even in the West, a team like Arizona, teams who will have pieces to sell, but will want something back that's more than a draft pick, something that can help them next year, not three years down the line. And those teams, I think, will prefer Broberg over the Oilers' first round pick. So either they move Kulak and they commit to keeping Broberg as a full-time NHLer, or they trade him. And I think we'll get our answer by the deadline. I, I would agree. Um, do you th- do you see Corey Perry playing a role on power play too? <laughs> ah, it's just so tough because their second power play unit never played. Yeah, twenty seconds at the end of every power play. So yeah, I think so. Um, and who do you take off there? I know they've been giving some shifts to Connor Brown. Maybe Corey Perry takes Connor Brown's spot. I know Evander Kane's not the best net front guy. So yeah, I think so. Power play two, Corey. I could see that happening. Yeah. Transitioning here, where do you want to go? The Blue Jays or the Bills? <laughs> Okay, let's let's rip off my Buffalo Bills Band-Aid. I'm looking at my Bills flag in my basement. I'm ready to get into this. Okay, so, I mean, everyone watched the game. I was cheering for the Bills as a Rams fan. Uh, what is it going to take for them to get over the hump? 
I don't know, man. Like, it's such a tough question because you're just running into the same wall every year. Like, Mahomes and the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. They're always going to be great. So what's it going to take to get over the hump? Maybe it's a year where Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and it's like, hey, the window opened for the Bills. I mean, the other thing, too, is it's not like they've been going up against the Chiefs year after year and getting blown out. Their last two losses to them in the playoffs have been one-score games, absolute heartbreakers, overtime, and then a missed field goal. Those are the differences. So the people saying that the Bills' windows close, I I think similar to the Chiefs, as long as you have an elite quarterback in today's NFL, you can make a good enough team around them to get to the playoffs. And if you have an elite quarterback, you can win playoff games. So I don't think their windows close. I'm worried about the cap situation, obviously, but I think the best course of action here is just to keep running it back with the same team and hope eventually you catch the Chiefs on an off night or you play a perfect game against them and then that's your year. Like, and winning the Super Bowl is hard and it's exponentially more difficult when you have to run through a modern dynasty just to get to a championship game and then to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree there. It's going to be tough for them to get over the hump. Um, so Gabe Davis is set for his contract to expire this off season. And we saw Stefan Diggs kind of, he did not have a good end half of the year. What do you think the Bills should be doing with a wide receiver? I know they got Kincaid in the draft, so they helped their core with that. But what do you think they should do with the wide receiver core? I, I think Gabe Davis is going to go. I just He was inconsistent this year as well. I don't love his fit in the offense. I know he's Allen's primary red zone target a lot of the times, but I look at Kincaid as being a big part of the future. Think about all those dynasties, right? Like Mahomes has Kelsey and you know Tom Brady had Rob Gronkowski. And, and not to say that Dalton Kincaid or not to put the expectation that he's a future Hall of Famer or anything, but I think you can look at his rookie season and be like, he's going to be a damn good receiver so I look at that and I I think they're set at tight end I love that wide receiver you have to bring Diggs back next year because if you trade them it's so much dead calf space that you're you're just hooped like you can't move on from Stefan Diggs Gabe Davis you're not going to be able to afford to pay him you're going to have Khalil Shakir and then I think the play for the Bills will be to use one of their first draft picks and take a wide receiver and try to get a young piece. You know, Minnesota got Jordan Addison. And look, he was able to step in when Justin Jefferson got hurt and be insanely productive. Your Rams got Puka Nakua in the fifth round, which I mean, every (laughs) team would love to sit there and be like, oh, we'll just find Puka Nakua in the fifth round of the draft. But if the Bills can hit like that, I think there's just zero concerns about their offense. The defense is a different story, but at wide receiver, I think it's pretty simple. You uh, You let Davis go. You bank on a more improvements from Kincaid. You bank on a bounce back from Diggs. And then you bank on someone young with Khalil Shakir being that secondary support. Yeah, I would agree with that. They got to they gotta bring in a new wide receiver, obviously, that he wasn't very good this year, Gabe Davis. What are your Super Bowl predictions now? Well, I'm going to root like hell against the, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm going to do that for sure. So I'll say Ravens and I love the lines. Who doesn't love the Lions storyline? Like, I mean, that is, that is the spot to go to. Everyone wants that franchise to get their first Super Bowl win. So I'm going to be with everyone. I'm rooting for the Lions. I am too, even though Jared Goff's on their team. So let's shift gear here to the Blue Jays. Um, obviously the off season isn't over yet and they still haven't picked up a good bat piece yet which is what they really need. What would you rate their offseason? Because the other, I think it was like a week ago, I rated their off offseason a C. 
honestly, I I think uh, C's maybe being too nice. Like they just they haven't <laughs> done anything yet. And and if you haven't done anything, I kind of sit there and go like, how do you deserve any sort of a grade that's more than an F? Like Kiner Falefa, I don't like. Kevin Kiermeyer is fine, but he's older and injury prone. So I I have a hard time getting excited for that one. And oh man, I I don't even know what else they're gonna be able to do. Like I, I think they're out on Chapman. I have a funny feeling he's gonna get paid big money somewhere else and they're not interested in that. It seems like they're out on Bellinger. So maybe they I would like Reese Hoskins. I am hearing the Jorge Soler rumblings, and I don't hate that. It doesn't feel like there's a big trade out there. It feels like the Jays are banking on internal improvements. I think it's a mistake. I think I'm giving them an F grade so far. And honestly, I have very little hope that they're going to improve that grade. Well, at least they helped their pitching with that Rodriguez. He sounds like he's going to be pretty good. So for the Blue Jays hitting, I hope that Vladdy is going to come back to normal. But do you think he's going to go back to his kind of MVP caliber season I don't think he'll ever get to that point but I think he can be better than he was earlier in the season so I mean very similar to I mean we just talked about Stuart Skinner right terrible then great and like okay where's he gonna settle in somewhere in the middle there and I think that's Vladdy I think we've had the great year we've had a terrible year I think in all honesty he's somewhere in the middle he's not a scrub he's not a glove first first baseman no one will pretend that he is I don't think we're going to see him get nominated for another MVP or be another MVP finalist in his career. I think he can be a 35-plus home run guy for you, and that is awesome. But I don't think he is the generational franchise-type bat that a lot of Jays fans, myself included, were hoping for. Uh, So I I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think he can be a damn good ball player. I just don't have him as a – I don't have him in the superstar tier anymore, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Hopefully he has a better year than last year, or else they're going to get nowhere – um, what should the Jays do? Because his contract's coming up and there was him and Bo and there was talks about his contract and how they weren't getting anywhere with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Bo at least has a couple more years, but the thing with Bichette is once he's up, you're at a point where it's like, okay, he's unrestricted. He can walk for nothing. So you need to make a decision on both guys by next winter and it's and I think this year will kind of tell us a lot like if they have success this year and they gel and they win a couple of playoff rounds and they get to an ALCS I think it's very easy for ownership and Rogers to look and go whoa that made us a pile of money we have no problem committing 700 million dollars to those two guys and keeping this core around if this year goes badly you probably need to look at trading Guerrero before his clock expires. And you probably need to look at Bobachet, who'd have another year on his deal and say, we're going to get a ton of assets. We can't risk losing one of them or both of them to unrestricted free agency. So I think next year will be the telltale sign. If next year goes well, lock it in, keep running with this core. If next year goes poorly, rebuild time. I would agree. Um, just one more thing about the Dodgers. Obviously the Jays got, I don't even know what the word is, but, I they not getting played. Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and what do you do you think the Dodgers making all these signings is it good for baseball? No, I I don't I, I don't think it's good for baseball. I think it'll make next season very interesting because everyone is going to be rooting against the LA Dodgers. 
they are the enemy now, right? Like no one wants <laughs> outside of Dodgers fans. No one wants to see that team win. I love Shohei Otani. I think he is great for the sport. And when he's back to pitching and hitting, he is one of the few true wonders in the sporting world. But I don't want to see him win a championship now. I am good. This is the route <laughs> the Dodgers are going. I want to see it go down in flames like a lot of other baseball fans. Baseball's always been unique, and I've appreciated that they don't put in a salary cap because all these owners are very rich, and it's kind of like, a, hey, if you want to win, spend up. Don't just sit on your money. Go get good players. There's always that ability in baseball. Every team could do what the Dodgers do if they were successful enough off the field and with business. So I hate it, but I also fully recognize I hate it because I'm a Jays fan, and we didn't end up landing Otani. So <laughs> I don't think it's great for baseball, but it's it's the way the sport works, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. He'll definitely get booed when he comes to oh. Toronto. Yeah, so um, I just got a couple other questions, and that's what I got. So... Your score prediction for the Oilers game tonight, and does Connor Brown score his first? Oh, I, I made a vow that I am done ru- or predicting <laughs> when Connor Brown is going to score. That is no longer something I will do in my coverage of the team. Could he score tonight? Sure, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I nailed some sort of prediction. I've been wrong too many times. I'll say the Oilers win, though. I'll, go, I'll give you a 6-2 final, and I'll say they run right over uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and rack up a 14th straight win. I'm going to say Connor Brown does score tonight, and they end up winning 5-1. to one. I got a couple more questions about what is it like to work at the at Oilers Nation? Oh, man, it is, uh, it is so much fun. I love going into work every day, getting to sit and cover this team and work with a bunch of people who, I mean, have really become my, some of my closest friends over the last few years. Like, it is a dream getting to talk about sports all day and, and getting to do <laughs> stuff like this. So it's the best, man. Um, I love the Nation Network. I'm really happy they gave me a shot a couple of years ago. And uh, I, I'm really proud of the work we do, too. So uh, all those things come together, and it, it's quite something. That's everything I got for you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. That was Tyler from Oilers Nation. that was Tyler from Oilers Nation. Very happy that he got to come on. We're going to bring into our normal segments for today. Um, I do want to say, I before we get into the news, I upgraded my studio in the basement. So we're going to start to do live streams and then we're going to convert it to video. So uh, I don't even know if you can see this. Let's, yeah, we're not going to show you, but you'll see. I got new equipment, everything, headphones, like we got a whole studio over here. So we're going to start to do podcasts, kind of we'll live stream them, and then we will convert them after to the audio. Uh, we're going to get through our news for today. Um, first off, we're going to get to the Tim picks because, I mean, I've been inconsistent as a day. Like, I've not been not been great, but let's go through kind of some of my, some of my picks for today. So yesterday, I hit. It hit. I got a big... Big goal from Brad Marchand and Lars Eller. So I got 50 Tim Hortons points. So my first pick for today, I got Evander Kane to score on that second line. I got an Evander Kane goal. Then I got a Ryan McLeod goal. And then I got 
Oh, I was wishing that Connor Brown was on the last thing, but I got Chris, actually Jordan Greenway to score tonight. So Kane, McLeod, and Greenway. So some solid amount of news today in the sports world. Um, we're going to start by uh, Titans did hire Brian Callahan as uh, their head coach. He's the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. Connor, Bedan- Connor Bedard misses another six weeks with a broken jaw, so not good for Blackhawks fans. Maybe his Calder in trouble. I don't know who's going to take it. Aroldis Chapman signs a big deal for the Pirates, a one-year deal. James Paxton, another deal for the Dodgers, just what they need, another one-year $11 million deal. Um, other than that, Carter Hart is granted indefinite lead of absence due to personal reasons. So hopefully he comes back soon. That was kind of our news for today. Oilers puck drop tonight is at 7 p.m. We're going to kind of go through our score update on Sunday. The Chiefs and the Ravens at 1 and the Lions and the Niners at 4.30. So that's the NFL action, obviously. Blue Jackets and Oilers at 7 tonight. Stuart Skinner is the starting goalie for your Edmonton Oilers. We got the Stars and the Red Wings at 5. Sens and the Canadians at 5. Lightning and the Flyers at 5. The Golden Knights and the Islanders at 5.30. The Caps and the Wild at 6. The Blues and the Flames at 7. The Sabres and the Ducks at 8. And then you got the New York Rangers and the San Jose Sharks at 8.30. So, NBA action tonight, Nuggets and Pacers at 5, Knicks and Nets. Oh, I was, it just shocked me, the ends there. 5.30 p.m., the Jazz and the Pelicans at 6, Blazers and the Thunders, and the Thunders, Thunder at 6, and the Lakers and the Clippers at 8 p.m. All those times are in Mountain Time, of course. Other than that, obviously, I just, thanks for Tyler for coming on today, um, you know, it's, We'll definitely bring you kind of more guests here, and maybe maybe some more in-studio guests. But um, hopefully the Edmonton Oilers extend their win streak tonight to 14 wins. Um, we're going to leave it at that for today. We will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see ya. Thanks for listening to The Manning Show. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Manning Show. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at UNManning97. Thanks for listening. We will be back tomorrow. Have a good day.